0: What's going on, everybody? We are live with Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 204. Kyle Bennett, Matt Castorino coming at you live from Underground Studios. As always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novig Audemont, Mark Ronchetti CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course, powered by our friends at Design Tree. What's going on, man And living the dream. Sixers seem to uh, just keep winning and appeasing the masses, but the sky is still falling for everybody else. Uh, playing the Raptors tonight, but, I mean, they've, they've quietly kind of shut up a lot of people as they've gone on this little mini winning streak, and uh, people have forgotten that, you know, they're pretty good still.
1: Five and two without Embiid on this stretch, which is really impressive considering usually we're a 500, below 500 team without him. Obviously, the schedule's been a little easier than you're used to, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think especially what I'm most happy with is two straight road wins, which, uh, yeah. um, you know, for a team in our position, normally shouldn't be something to celebrate, but just considering how bad the Sixers have been on the road and neither of those games were particularly inspiring. Um you let the Knicks hang around for the entire game, and you have to rely on Tobias to kind of hit a clutch three in the fourth. And Brooklyn, you have to mount a pretty serious comeback. Um, for for you know three quarters of the game, you're down usually around like eight to twelve points, and finally you make a big swing of it. But yeah, win still counts, and and you get two straight, and you head to Toronto tonight, which is a, a positive, and you just hope that some of that momentum carries through to this game. But You know, I think if we do have performances like we did in in both New York games, um, it's going to be a bit of a struggle tonight.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Obviously, Sixers-Raptors will keep you updated as long as we are, uh, you know, live for you guys. But, I mean, the Sixers-Nets game was kind of the game that everybody would love to see Ben Simmons kind of just continue to have, 34-12-12, and I believe he had five steals in that game, too, and if I'm not mistaken... Uh, no NBA player since 1983 has had that stat line before shout out to, uh, our boy Dan Morgan dropping that knowledge on uh design trees podcast. I just got finished watching, but 34, 12 and 12 from Ben is like, you know, that's the dominant kind of player he is and how he can take over a game. That's the stat line he's going to have. And for him to just come out, kind of put the team on his back and have a, a good horford game you know surrounding that have a good uh you know con- con- contributions words uh from tobias harris and josh richardson cork again you know just contributing the way he has a-, a quality mike scott game off the bench that's what you want to see from this team
1: and i think the, the biggest positive was the absolute stifling defense in the first, fourth quarter by the sixers i mean I, there was it was a little bit chaotic, um, but I, I think there was there's so many just turnovers in that last you know two minutes, and um, a lot of it was the Sixers just really shutting shutting the nets down. The Sixers were able to to create a lot of looks off that. Um, you know, Tobias missed a few shots there to really ice the game. It should have been a little more out of reach than it was, given the way the last two or three minutes went for the Sixers defensively. Um, but that's the type of thing that this this Philly team can do is. In those in that crunch time, I, I think you can really count on them to get at least two or three really big stops and Thiebel and Simmons both were just absolutely terrorizing Brooklyn. And this Brooklyn team is, you know, has, has some pretty decent cards that have have definitely um, you know, been effective against the sectors in the past. Like Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis Verde are both two players that I think have given us headaches before. Um, even Kourouks last year in the playoffs at times was, was a, a bit of an issue. And, um, you know, to, to shut them down like they did when it when it mattered, really mattered, I think is impressive and kind of fits with what the theme of this team is, is that they are defensively really going to suffocate you when it matters. And um, it felt a little playoffy in in that regard, whereas like, you know, Good luck scoring on this team in the final five minutes. And this is also without Embiid, too, um, that this has happened. Now, you could say, like, you know, without Embiid, things maybe look a little different. And I think they've actually been incredibly impressive defensively without Embiid, which, you know, I I don't think it's a slight on him. I think that just goes to show when you have Thibel in the starting lineup, especially just what a, a big positive he's been on that end. Um, but th- this team is so versatile defensively, and is such can give any team headaches on any given night. And um, obviously, Brooklyn isn't like an amazing team, but you know that's still I, I think you know anytime you can do that to a, to a they're going to be a playoff team. Anytime you can do that to a playoff team that effectively, that's that's a really good positive sign.
0: And the Knicks game obviously was a lot closer than uh, we would have ever liked it to have been, but Tobias Harris steps up, makes that clutch three, and. Uh, Sixers end up winning that game on the road as well, ninety to eighty seven. That game was just it was mostly Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, and then Furkan Korkmaz having one of his signature Oh, hey guys, like this is why the Sixers brought me back tip games. And then everybody else kinda of struggled, and then Tobias Harris had his clutch moments, but uh you would have liked to seen this team kind of dominate a bad Knicks team. And I know you had tweeted after this game that the Sixers record was the exact same at this point last year that it is
1: this year. Yeah. Um, I was just kind of checking. I like check basketball reference, like once or twice a week and just look at like Sixers numbers. Everyone else is like, you know, just kind of catching up on stuff. And, um, yeah, I was like, you know, I kind of wonder what this team was like this point last year. Because, you know, it, it felt like this year has been really negative on this team. And last year, the opinion swayed so much. Uh, this time last year, I think there was there was questions about this team. But everyone was also really excited about Jimmy. And, yeah, I just found it really funny that exact same record and you had just beaten the Knicks by three in both of those games. What was interesting, though, and I think you know, obviously you're just basing this off the box score, but I think last year's score is indicative of that team and this year's score is mm-hmm. indicative of this team where last year it, the offense is a little more smooth you expect this team to score a little more but you know defensively there was it, strangely enough there was question marks about this team defensively during the regular season at least whereas this year you're holding this this Knicks team to significantly less points and um the the swing of that those uh this team not scoring as much it's obviously one game you can't really draw that many conclusions from it but that is kind of the hallmark of this team this year is defensively there a, a top three team in the league but um, offensively it's kind of matchup dependent and also night dependent and, and how uh, how smooth stroking is for Kane Corkma's like that's um, he's kind of been the lifeline for the Sixers especially without Embiid uh, you look at the games that we've won in almost every single one of them it's it's been down to cork miles at least at least being average but in a few of those games he's had fantastic games and um if he can continue to grow that confidence which i think is really important for him you know brett spoke really early this season about growing a bomber you know and that they they wanted well, i should say bomber um you get that t-shirt on our <laughs> design tree storefront. yes um you know and, and i think that's still a work in progress and you know it's weird with Furkan because he's been he's been here quite a while mm-hmm. already, but he's only 22. You know, like that's he's, so crazy. He's, he's younger than Ben. You know, like yeah. he's he's still very much a work in progress. Like 22 year old players are. I mean that he's like he's the same age as Stiebel, Like yeah. like he he's he could essentially be a rookie this year, like theoretically. So like, you know, he he's still going to improve a, a lot, and I I think you've seen good sparks from him this year and hopefully that continues and he I, I think it is a confidence thing with him of just getting into a rhythm and yeah I mean he's been a, a really bright spark for us he's especially these last few games but you hope that stays consistent um and because I, I think it's crazy to say but Korkmaz is going to be like a a pretty pretty crucial part to all of this working I think just because you know he even hit a few, shoots, few shots against Brooklyn late mm-hmm. in the game where it's like you know no one else on the team really is going to, like, usually make or take those shots, you know? Like, Josh Richardson isn't really, like, a pull-up guy like that. Um, And Horford's more someone you need in, like, space to shoot threes. Mm -hmm. Like, Korkmaz is really our only designated kind of, you know, spacer, floor shooter guy that we have. And, um, yeah, we just need him to continue to be good, which who knew so much of this was going to ride on Korkmaz. So crazy.
0: Um, And obviously... NBA Twitter for the past like two months has been on the trade machine, running amok, um, but John Johnson from KYW News and WIP, he is a Sixers insider, has a lot of really good information about the Sixers, um, tweeted today at about 1240 per NBA source, Sixers are currently focusing on Bogdan Bogdanovich and Robert Covington as potential deadline acquisitions Source says Sixers have been inf- been firm on who slash what is and is not available in return. Sure, Bogdanovich makes sense for this team. Robert Covington, I don't get it because Cove, as much as we love him and everything he did for this team during the process era and up until last season, you literally get the same type of style of play from Matisse Theibel. Yeah,
1: Covington's obviously going to have experience over him, and I think you'd probably. I don't even know if you could really say he's the better shooter right now. Like Covington's mm-hmm. kind of quietly had a. He's always been a kind of a streaky shooter, but this year hasn't been great for him. You could also say it's because he's in Minnesota and like mm-hmm. the place just sucks. It's just a, a talent suck. Um, I'm not. I'm not wild about trading for either. Then like Bogdanovich in theory is a good fit, but he's also a restricted free agent. Um, now, the Sixers are clearly going to be paying the luxury tax, but if you trade for Bogdanovich, you're going to have to lock him down because there's no way you yes. give up assets and not re-sign him. Is this team going to pay, like, the biggest luxury tax bill we've ever seen? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I just I don't see that. I, I, like, already you're going to be paying quite a bit of money. And I'm just not sure that the Sixers are really going to lock down even further. When we haven't even seen what this team can do, Mm -hmm. right? Like, let's not forget, like, this is a move maybe you make two, three years if we lock it in with this roster. And by the way, Josh Richardson, you're going to have to decide on his future, you know, whether you're paying him or trading him. Um, You know, then it's like, okay, we're going to roll the dice here, going to load up, you know, like, this is the... It's really not the first iteration of this team, really. like It's like the second or third phase of the first iteration. <laughs> like This is the first time this core is going to be a playoff contender altogether. And I just don't know that splitting it up again is the right option. Um, and I think if you're talking organizationally, especially you know when people talk about Al Horford and stuff, and um, I'm not sure the best sign for a team and an organization that typically has not made good runs at free agents is four months later you know after you sign someone to essentially max deal trading them Mm -hmm. um that's typically not well received by agents of of players and is not going to really get you a lot of goodwill in this league so i just uh i don't see it happening and i I think it's weird too because the sixers team if you look at like the big moves that have been made in the last few years there's never been rumors before then like i I was thinking like jamie butler we, we just woke up it, it, we were recording actually, I, I remember. Yeah, we week. were live. It was it was just a regular Saturday afternoon, and all of a sudden we have Jimmy Butler. Like there was there's really not much to that story. There's a few links like here and there, but there really wasn't much to it. Um, it was
0: all Houston Rockets and their five first round picks.
1: Even so. even go back to this summer and um you know the 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 jimmy situation like was really kept under wraps mm-hmm. al horford himself was kept really under wraps no one no one had really a sniff of that um so yeah jj leaving like all these like the sixers typically aren't a team that have these kind of leaks which in these like sources and stuff and you always have to consider why teams mm-hmm. might be doing that sixers could also be trying to play up the value of some of their french guys um someone like jonah bolden hell I I know it's not gonna make anyone happy but someone even like Theibel like Mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessarily like a coincidence that some of these rumors come out when he's had such an amazing last week and a half and it's like hey this is a really great rookie that just got you know uh chosen for the, the the rising stars challenge like he's great defensively he's on a great contract anyone interested like I don't really want a future without Theibel but you know, I think the Sixers could. You'd be dumb to at least not listen to what people
0: may be interested. In I also giving think up it, for him. you know it's social media and everything, but you know you're also kind of told by the team what to put out there. And the the Blue Coats have been featuring a lot of Zaire Smith, and the Sixers account has either been retweeting the videos, sending eye emojis. Like, sure, you can say that that's like you know tinfoil hat or whatever, but it is something to look at because they are featuring Zaire a lot more um you know just highlights wise from the blue coats on social media
1: yeah i I think with zaire the the one issue is that his value is so low Mm -hmm. um it it, we kind of talked about this like reese hoskins it's like you know the time to trade zaire would have been last year right well not even last year because he was going through his his whole injury crisis his health crisis really um but yeah you know zaire's value is at such a low spot that i think you'd be losing no matter what you get for him like no one's gonna give you adequate value even close to what Zaire could be. and by the way, Zaire's 20 years old like you know i I, I am very comfortable with letting him just grow and develop and you know get back into a rhythm. Um, I would have liked to have seen him already kind of be back with the sixers at this point in the season you know but who knows you uh, you know player development isn't always uh, super linear as Cork wet rains um you I also know so
0: have Shake Milton minutes
1: going on right now. There's, that's a name I haven't heard in some time. Um, <laughs> yeah, we kind of forgot that Chick Milton was supposed to be our like, second point guard this year.
0: Before your contract, no big deal. Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, with with Zaire, I just feel like his value is at such a low point that I I don't think it's worth moving him. I don't think you're getting anything of, of value back, unless they really don't believe in his future, which I I don't get. I, I still see him as someone that can develop into something really special.
0: I think the only real quote-unquote concern you would have would be is if you keep Matisse which we all hope we do because he's been fantastic for this team that Matisse and Zaire are kind of similar in what they bring to the table and you already see Matisse is kind of NBA ready and then you're just waiting on a, a Zaire Smith so that would kind of be the only thing I would see. think the counter that was, though is was like you can't look at the Celtics right like mm-hmm.
1: you We, and myself included in this, thought, you know, well, they had, like, they drafted, like, four wings, and they all had a bunch of guys that were kind of switchy and defensive, and it's like, I don't know what they're going to do with this team, and this team, and the Celtics, it turns out, they all developed well, and they're all really good, you know, just because they fit a similar type mold doesn't necessarily mean, oh, okay, like, you know, what's their effectiveness. Like, if anything, the Sixers could really use more bodies on the bench. If, if anything this season has shown us, it would be great if we could have someone really develop and be a star off the bench. And, you know, I, I think guys like Zaire and Matisse are the exact, like, archetype of kind of role players or six men that you want in this league now. Like, you want big switchable guys that are super athletic, that can be really destructive on defense. And, you know, you, you like... People can't get enough of these guys. Like these, those are the types of players that, if they reach the kind of potential we hope they do, that we want at trade deadlines. You know, that that we want, a, you know, to hopefully get bought out. You know, because they're on a bad team, and we can pick them up for a player fund. Like those, those are the types of guys that you want, and you have both of them in your development stranglehold right now, and can kind of do what you want with them. So I think for me, it makes sense to kind of incubate Zaire longer and just see how he progresses. And yeah, you have a, a bird in hand and two in the bush right now. So why? why get rid of either I think
0: I think the only trade piece or you know rumored trade piece that has come up for the Sixers that I've truly been like damn I would love him on this team is who we talked about a couple weeks ago Luke Kennard he's young he's under contract through 2021 obviously you'd have to end up paying him as well but he's the type of player that I think fits this team perfectly he's young so he can build with Joel he can build with Ben Simmons if you decide to pay Josh Richardson you build with him and Tobias, obviously, and, and he's a guy that I think is just like the the perfect piece to the puzzle uh, for this team of all the guys that have been rumored out there. And, of course, his teammate, Derrick Rose, has also been mentioned about the Lakers and Sixers having interest. I have no interest in Derrick Rose. Sure, he's having a, a good season. I don't want the baggage. Oh.
1: I also like he's he's an injury risk. It's like we've all forgotten, we've all been brain wiped that Derek Rose is one of the most injury plagued players of this decade. Like he, he's he's 31 years old he's had multiple knee surgeries like this is the longest we've seen him go without injuries and even then this season he struggled it like mm-hmm. he's not he's not a good three-point shooter by the way either and that's what this team needs we need someone who can create shots for themselves and Derek rose is great at getting in the lane. we don't need another guy like that he's just smaller than Simmons at this Pretty point much. like hey, i'm sorry but Derek rose is not the answer for me and he's also at an inflated value right now where you're going to be paying more than actually what he's worth and he's signed to a long-term deal like it, it, there's no way that it makes sense to me on a basketball level to get Derrick Rose. And then on a personal level, I hate Derrick Rose. Yeah. I don't care for him as a human being. I don't really want him on the Sixers, whatever. Um, Luke Kennard, I think is an interesting piece, but it, so much as I think is dependent on Detroit and mm-hmm. how they value him and how they value the rest of their season. Right? Like if they're willing to kind of part ways with guys just to you know, really get assets, you know, you already seen Blake Griffin uh, getting shut down for the year. Like, what, really? what are they what are they really going for you know and I think some of that hinges on Drummond's future and again also Derek Rose if he is traded hopefully to somewhere else um, you know I, I think then you might see a little more of a fire sale with Detroit but yeah I think Luke Gennard would be an ideal fit because you're not giving up a ton he's not going to cost you a ton of money like someone like Bogdanovich is going to mm-hmm. is gonna cost you um, uh, and I, I think that's probably a better route for the Sixers but I still think you, you kind of even wait just see who yeah. gets bought out like why not? I, I think you know this team obviously needs, I think, an extra piece. I'm not denying that, but this team also doesn't have a ton of assets to just be handing out. You know, they have some good second round picks that they could, you know, maybe really uh, sweeten a deal and and just get someone like Detroit on the line or someone like Charlotte, even like one of some of these teams that are just kind of really hovering. Um, but you know, like I, I don't think you also need to like be super aggressive buyers at this deadline. I really don't. And again, that's not me saying that. You know, we don't need help, but I, I don't think you need to be really going all in right now to get someone today. Like I, I think you can be patient if you're the Sixers, um and and kind of wait on it.
0: And I I don't think you're gonna lose out on much. Sixers currently at twenty nine to sixteen on the Raptors. Uh, great to see that. Apparently Josh Richardson will not be back. He picked up some kind of injury. Oh, wow, sensation! Hamstring strain, which is like his the injury. That's good. Oh boy. No wonder we're seeing Jake Milton. Um, so yeah, we'll keep you updated on the Sixers uh, as the game goes on, but Eagles-wise, not much news has come out uh, other than Graham Harrell is going back to USC, but Andy Reid's in the Super Bowl, and uh, Donovan McNabb was on the Untold Story series on Bleacher Report's uh, gridiron section of their uh, their website and talked about how uh, his relationship with T.O. is still fractured to this day. Um, he just keeps it pushing if he sees him in public, throws up a peace sign and uh, just a couple hours ago, T.O. quote tweeted the Bleacher Report tweet and said, oh shit I can't wait to tell my story I'm bringing popcorn, doing sit-ups and gonna eat a couple cans of quote, chunky soup this guy is a joke, talking about I broke up the Eagles and added the Eagles uh, did you tell him that you vouched for the Eagles to pay Westbro- Westbrook but not me. It's on. Oh man, it's
1: like two. It's like your. It's like two of your uncles just going at it on Thanksgiving. <laughs> like people have left already. Like people have gone home, and they're just sitting there going like, at ang- it, angry across the corners. You're like, oh
0: man. And of all, of course, it's it's those two going at it during you know the first week leading up to Andy Reid's first Super Bowl in 15 years with those guys. Yeah, I mean, it's just um. Who cares? Like honestly,
1: who cares at this point? Like it's like that's that's just so Such far old in, news now. So far in the past, it's not even like that amazing of a story. Like you know, I'll be honest. Like the Terrell Owens doing sit-ups in his parking lot should be like more of a a story and more of like a meme than it is. Um, but it's not, and it hasn't been relevant for a really long time. And it's just it, all of it is just weird. Like I, honestly, Terrell Owens like. He's been on this weird spiral the past few years, like with you know he had like the Arena Football League stints and stuff and all this. Like, uh, I I just don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just and I don't really care about Donovan McNabb's opinion either. I don't really care what he has to say. Um, and I don't think Eagles fans care like they they used to, especially because of the his attitude towards the fan base. You know, post retirement, and you know you don't want to say like oh like. It's completely vindictive, of him. You know, because I think he has a right to feel aggrieved in some way. But at the same time, like, you know, if there's one thing that the Philly fan base doesn't like is is people who don't endear themselves to the fans. And I feel like McNabb, at least in his post career, mm-hmm. has not done that. Um, so yeah, I I don't I don't know
0: I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting stuff. Um, but Andy Reid gonna be coaching the Super Bowl for the first time in fifteen years obviously the, the question floating around is, quote, are you rooting for Andy Reid? Absolutely. Why would you not? Like, he's, you can't, you know, as the Baseball Hall of Fame stuff has come out and everybody talks about how the Hall of Fames are museums and stuff like that, you can't tell the story of the NFL for the past, you know, two decades without talking about Andy Reid. And if he gets a Super Bowl, it just adds to his legacy and what he was able to do to really take over the NFL for damn near 25 years. And you look at all the former Eagles on the Chiefs roster as well. You got LaShawn McCoy. Who wouldn't love to see Shady get a ring? Sure, it's not here. But you want to see your team's all-time leading rusher get that accolade in his career. Um, you know, Stefan Wisniewski, another former Eagle on that roster, could get his second ring. Um, there's There's a ton of Eagles connections in this Super Bowl. And I mean... It's it's going to be a great Super Bowl regardless between the Chiefs and 49ers, but of course, you want to see Andy Reid finally get over, you know, the top of the mountain and and get that Super Bowl that he's been waiting for since he was, you know, a, a Green Bay Packers assistant. And for him to get it, you know, towards the, what we think is the end of his career, I I would love to see Andy finally, you know, get that accomplishment and and put that ring on his finger. Yeah, I think uh I'm
1: Mostly pro Chiefs in the Super Bowl. It's inter- it's a it's a fun, it's going to be a fun Super Bowl, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. We didn't get the uh, the worst, which would have been a Tennessee like Green Bay. <laughs> super. that would have been uh, terrible the to Matt watch. Floor revenge game. Yeah, that would have been uh, brutal on the eyes. Hopefully, nothing can be worse than last year's Super Bowl. I don't think yeah. in terms of like overall entertainment. That was, I think, the worst Super Bowl I've ever seen in my life. I was. I would have rather watched paint dry. Yeah, because it was that dull. I actually can't remember like in my conscience memory of a worse Super Bowl than last year, just into not yeah. only in terms of who won, but the game itself sucked. There's, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I hate the Patriots, but them coming against the coming back against the Falcons was like invigorating. It was like amazing. It was an amazing game to watch. It was an amazing experience. Right. So even, even though I don't like them, there's still a great game. Like last year was just absolutely terrible. That was <laughs> such a, so as long <laughs> as it's not, and I think it will be a great game. Um, you know, th- this time around. As long as it's not like last year where it's like, wow, this sucks. I I, I can't think of a single bad Super Bowl, at least in the past decade. Like I think I mean,
0: the worst might have been just because it was just an absolute blowout was when the Seahawks beat Peyton Manning. Yeah, that was rough. That was definitely that a was rough tough one. seeing Peyton kinda just like eh, and then he ended up. As a Dolphins one. <laughs> guy I didn't I didn't care
1: too much. Should have came to Miami. Um maybe his shoulder would have held up better in warmer weather.
0: <laughs> uh but I think a, that was giant the... block face. That was the worst one because it was just over before it even started. Yeah. The Seahawks like just dominated that game. But Well yeah,
1: it kinda of blocked that one in my memory. That was in New Jersey too. Yeah,
0: that was at the Giants stadium. I used to
1: get really incensed that they kept marketing that as New, New York, York and it's like Jesus no. Christ, it is New Jersey. It's not even like bordering New York. It is in New Jersey. Yeah. You, <laughs> you have, have to drive another time. half hour to get to New York. It is not <laughs> New York. Stop saying it's New York. I hate that. It's so bad. I hate it so much.
0: Why the Buffalo Bills are the only team in New York that play in the NFL? I respect them. Um, Phillies, though, they uh, they signed some no names. Well, not no names. Drew Storen. No. They uh, they signed Bud Norris. You're not signed, getting to the uh, biggest name, Francisco Liriano. Yes. Guys, <laughs> uh, this is
1: great. This is the this is our number one ace that we've been looking for, right? This Francisco. is twenty. This is 2011, right? Oh man, Liriano's still throwing no. Oh, oh, he's he's old now, a pretty bit. Bro, pretty broken down. Oh,
0: oh, that's he's kind of a bullpen pitcher the past couple years. I mean, Philly's also signed Neil Walker too. Oh, I loved how Twitter- you know I
1: can remember sitting in Citizens Bank Park last year and the the fans are really just clamoring for for signing like Neil Walker. <laughs>
0: That was the name being chanted out <laughs> Shout out to Alex Carr uh, Tweeted out earlier today The Phillies have signed the current members of the 2013 Pirates Who were a playoff team uh, Andrew McCutcheon, who we are thrilled with Josh Harrison, who is a non-roster invitee But got a you know invite to spring training and everything Neil Walker, Francisco Liriano Other 2013 Pirates that the Phillies could have signed Or did have Garrett Cole AJ Burnett Charlie Morton Jim Mark Gomez shout out to that one year he was our closer Uh, Jared Hughes Bug Eye JT Real Muto's best friend and Marlon Bird what do you what do you you want huh
1: (laughs) what do you want answers (laughs) because we don't have them (laughs) I don't know. No, no, like nothing about that is inspiring. Like Luriano has been terrible, um, and I guess like you could you could at least sell yourself on like ah uh, he's a veteran guy you could like come in and like you, you're he's not- good
0: against left-handers last year for what it's worth. He's thirty six years old. Uh, he went five and three with a 3-4-7 ERA and a one point three six whip and seventy innings pitched out of the bullpen for the Pirates in twenty nineteen, uh, but he held opposing lefties to a one ninety four batting average and a 659 OPS now that's all well and good but this year is the year that the three batter minimum I believe for pitchers comes into effect so it kind of eliminates what pitchers like Liriano can do where you just use him to get a left-handed batter out and then switch the pitcher he's got to face at least three batters now so we'll see how that ends up working um as an under the radar move, I don't hate this move of Francisco Liriano. I just love how everybody on Twitter for about eight minutes thought that John Heyman was tweeting that the Phillies had a deal in place to trade for Francisco Lindor.
1: Yeah, it was like the joke stopped being funny after like the first thumb scroll underneath the tweet is like, oh, okay, we get it. Y'all thought it was Francisco Lindor. We get it. They like. It's very obvious it wasn't friends. Like it would have been much bigger <laughs> news. Yeah. Um. I mean, this isn't a bad like on the margin signing. It's just you know this is like you've been wandering in the desert and you think you just found an oasis and it's actually like one Deer Park water bottle. <laughs> like yep. It's like oh well this helps, but um, I was <laughs> really hoping for something
0: better than this. Um. But Liriano, Bud Norris, Drew Stor, and Neil Walker, all. Got minor league contracts with invites to uh, spring training as non-roster invitees. So, we'll see how that works out. Um, the Mets, they got their new manager. Luis Rojas is their next manager. They hired somebody quicker than the Astros and the uh, the Red Sox did, so good for them. Um, the, the big thing, though, is Nolan Arenado. It came out a couple days ago uh, that... Aaron Otto texted MLB.com saying to you know publish that, that he has felt disrespected by the Colorado Rockies organization um, because they took all trade talks off the table. And now people are saying that this is going to get bad, it's going to get ugly, and it's very reminiscent of when Giancarlo Stanton wanted out of uh, Miami and was kind of forcing his hand and forcing to get traded from Miami to wherever, was going to take on his contract. I wonder
1: what the quickest way to get traded. Like, what, what is the most... Like, I feel like if you just texted your GM, like, something really, like, crude, like, something really offensive, that might be the best way to get it done. I don't know. Because then you're at least not tanking your value, like, publicly, where it's like, man... like it, This is just, like, rinse and repeat for the Rockies, isn't it? Like, sign promising young guy to big contract... You know, everyone gets excited about the Rockies. One year later, we don't really feel like paying this guy anymore. <laughs> and this guy wants to win. <laughs> We're so, not there yet. They are, they are constantly four years away from being four years away. This like, <laughs> That's been my entire life with the Rockies. Um, yeah, I mean, not particularly surprising that Aradona wants out to begin with. I mean, he already has this this opt out clause early into his deal. I mean, he has a pretty long term deal, but it's what it's three years in. He's he's allowed yeah. to to leave after twenty
0: twenty one.
1: So, it's you know it's it, even when he signed the deal. I think we even said when he signed the deal, like, oh yeah, he's leaving after three years. Mm-hmm. Like he's gonna go get bigger money somewhere else. And, um, and that's
0: why we were terrified about Bryce Harper's contract because Nolan Arenado signed that deal before Bryce signed, and we were like, oh geez. Arenado's is going to set the precedent, and then you know force an opt out, and thankfully Bryce just wanted to be here. Um, but yeah, we were we we said it continuously last winter that Arenado was just going to peace out after three years.
1: Yeah, and um, he's clearly hitting the detonate button a lot quicker than we thought, and I just um, I don't really want to give up. A, a big asset pool for Arenado, and that's not. This is it's almost my exact take from the Chris Bryant situation, um, except I think Arenado you'd probably say is better than Chris Bryant, I,
0: you know, especially defensively.
1: Especially, which is where the Phillies really need the biggest upgrade. I I don't know that the Phillies necessarily need another bat. I mean, they, of course they could use it, mm-hmm. but I think especially infield defense is still a question mark for this Phillies team. Um, and Aaron would be a very clear upgrade on that. He might even be like the best defensive player that we have really like a, I just, I don't love the idea of again, kind of rolling with the pitching unit that we have, and I think we see, like, the plan that the Phillies have. They like I think they're pretty in on Spencer Howard. I think he's going to be, like, a solid three or four. And you can kind of depend on Arietta and then want, pick one of the chuckle misfit gang. Probably Zach Eflin. Probably Zach Eflin to be your fifth um, and kind of roll from there, right? Like, that's probably their plan for at least the first half of the season. See how that goes. So, I, I guess we're going to have to make our peace with that. I just... I don't want to give up a ton of assets for, for this guy. And, again, you're going to have to pay him. So like, he's probably going to want to opt out and get paid. You know? And it's like... I, like, you could have just signed... Rendon. You know, and Donaldson. like... And I think you can make the case that better than both of them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, you wouldn't have had to give anything up.
0: And and, you don't have to fear
1: them leaving if you gave them the contract. And, obviously, yeah. that's dependent on their interest in you. But... I just – it doesn't make a ton of sense to me to do it, which is why I don't think it will happen. But also, it's Matt Klintak, so who really knows? Um, I just uh, – I, I would not – like, I'd be thrilled about having Arenado on this team. I would not be thrilled about giving up assets for something that I don't think really moves mm-hmm. the needle a ton for the Phillies, frankly. I, th- I think what we need is very clearly pitching. And, yeah, Arenado would be a very great upgrade that we could get. And um, I'd be happy to have him here, but I just – I don't, I don't, I wouldn't love the move. I, I wouldn't, it's not like JT Rumuto So it's like, okay, like, you know, I, I wasn't wild about the assets we gave up then, but it's like, okay, you're upgrading a catcher. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy thing to do. We needed an upgrade on and catcher. And realistically,
0: you only gave up one
1: prospect yeah. that
0: was like supposed to be part of this future.
1: Yeah. So it's like, okay, make your peace with it. But now you've kind of, you know, there's two guys going forward that we all really want to see. now, Spencer Howard and Alec Bohm and you'd have to give up at least one of them to get Arenado, probably. If not both. If not both. Like, th- that just kind of sucks. <laughs> and the, especially for a team that is kind of starved for these young guys on the fringes, like making their, like, we, we don't really have anyone. It's not like, you know, we have, like, a deep uh, farm system right now. It's like, all right, yeah. you know, make our peace with especially it Especially with on. guys that are... M L B ready. Yes. Like which the, guys the Phillies the, need. They need on the margins guys right. that you could reasonably expect in July to to
0: make a step up and we you don't really have that right. The guys now. that the Phillies have are, you know, eighteen, nineteen or even younger and in single A or you know Gulf Coast League that are down the line going to p- be potential, you know, at that point, but they're not there yet. Um but speaking of Spencer Howard and Alec Bohm, uh, baseball America's top one hundred prospects got released. Spencer Howard clocks in at number 27. Alec Bohm, 28. That's hot. Howard being ranked over Bohm. that's very exciting. Uh, just kind of tells you how good both of them really are viewed in the you know, national perspective, um, with it being from Baseball America. And that should make you want to just see both of them play for this team. I think both of them are very determined to break camp with the Phillies and, and force their hand kind of like Scott Kingery did a couple years ago to say, Hey, like we're not going anywhere. So you might as well, you know, pony up and, and put us on this roster. Hey, if they sign a Kingery deal, <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Throw, Throw that up.
1: up, you know, um, yeah i mean that's it's always good especially when you see like national recognition for because you know every fan base overrates their prospects and this is across any sport always overrates and and over evaluates you know their their own talent and thinks they're better than they actually are but yeah being being in that list is good and um What's weird is like typically too the Phillies' best prospects haven't been number one guys. Mm-hmm. Like you look along the line and um, there's no, I don't think we've ever really had a player that's like this guy like right from the gate. This guy's gonna be like a top five prospect, top ten. Like everyone can't get the the name out of their mouth. I was kind of younger for for like Utley and, mm-hmm. and Jimmy Rollins when they came through, so I don't really remember that well how hyped they were. And it was a different kind of era as well.
0: I think the only one was six though.
1: Yeah, and, and even then we don't really know. What he's going to be. And I feel like Sixto's hype is a little more Philly based. Like, I don't know Mm -hmm. nationally if he was someone that, like, obviously people definitely rated him highly. Yeah. But he wasn't someone that, like, oh my God, like, right. When this guy hits the league, like, watch out. It's
0: mostly us just finding as many, you know, cell phone videos of Sixto pitching in single A and being like, holy hell, look at this guy's movement on his pitches. And um, that's really the only other prospect outside of, like you said, back in the day with Utley, Howard, Rollins. Uh, Cole Hamels and then I don't even know if Aaron Nola was rated that high so no. well
1: that's the thing is like you know like even Reese right was someone that wasn't really even on our own right. eyes he's a, he's someone highly pick. rated um, and made a, a great breakthrough and so even then you know you can't always look at these rankings and go oh that's great you know obviously it's great to see them getting that attention and recognition but guys can come out of nowhere mm-hmm. like they you know there could be a name this thing. I don't think that Spencer Howard and Alec Boehm were this highly on our radar this time last year. Right? We certainly knew these guys' names were like okay people to look out for, but the, it's not like now where it's like we want them starting, right. you know. Like and this time next year there could be another name. Next year after that another name, you know. So you know, take it with a grain of salt as well with the the rankings that. It's ultimately kind of arbitrary, and it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be the 27th, the 28th. Like, they could be the 3rd or 4th, which would be amazing. Or they could be, like, the 60th and the, the mm-hmm. 120th. You know, like, it's all really nebulous when you're still a prospect trying to make your breakthrough. And Especially when you haven't seen him play in the exactly. majors at all. Like,
0: you have no clue what these guys are actually going to look like. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think either of them played... I mean I definitely know Spencer Howard didn't and, and Alec Bohm didn't really play at triple A either last year. Neither of them cracked double A. So like they're playing I mean, Spencer Howard dominating the way he did at double A is a great sign because, you know, the Phillies double A facility uh, in Reading is a quote unquote home run derby park. Um, and then you want to see what Alec Bohm can just do defensively, but if both of these guys can really just force the Phillies to say, Okay, we gotta pony up and, and put them on this forty man roster that's a huge bonus for this team and sure it depletes your quote-unquote farm system more but that just means you graduated two of your best prospects to be part of this team that you are are putting together to win a championship that's why you signed Bryce Harper that's why you traded for JT Real Muta that's why you brought in Andrew McCutcheon that's why you brought in Zach Wheeler and Didi Gregorius like you are trying to win a championship and if this team wants to get better you need the best possible players at every single position and you know I would love to see both of those guys just really have dominant springs and just be like, yeah, we're staying. Like, we're part of this core now. And and also, when you
1: graduate to kind of prospects, that makes room, obviously, for other people and Mm -hmm. then kind of opens up resources to develop other players. So, you know, that's that's another kind of positive of if these guys get call-ups this year and I'm very positive that they will it's just kind of depending on when and how the Phillies want to screw them you know three four years down the line uh with their contract so I guess we'll just kind of have to sit on our hands and, and wait on it but I'm excited for the both of them
0: yeah I am clamoring for spring training three weeks away uh can't wait and shout out to uh South Jersey native Zach Warren who I grew up with we swam together Uh, Forever, He uh, got invited to Philly spring training as a non-roster invitee. Um, Very cool to see. You know, his uh, ultimate dream kind of starting to come true and him being able to go to camp with the big league squad is uh, really cool to see. And, you know, the the non-roster invitees for the Phillies are just super exciting. So spring training baseball, while it, it typically is not that enjoyable because you're not seeing the stars, there's a lot of young talent going to Clearwater this year and it's gonna be close to must see TV as spring training baseball can be.
1: Yeah, spring training the last few years has been exciting. Last year was more exciting at the tail end because mm-hmm. of, of Bryce and everything, but um I think there's always been a little pause. Like you had the the Reese excitement, you know, and and kind of that younger Phillies team was like, Oh, these guys could really break out this year and be JT something he comes in yeah you've you've each each spring you've kind of had some storyline going for you and yeah maybe this year it's kind of these younger fringe guys that uh, everyone's gonna look out for which is really exciting um and yeah it, it, kind of creeping up on it. i was talking with some of that work today like it's already like late january yeah. you know we're already
0: getting close to spring which is nice it's very exciting Let this cold weather uh yes. get the hell out of here But uh, the Flyers are in the the headlines for two reasons, Matt. Uh, They shut out the Penguins last night, which was fantastic to see. Um, And somebody is trying to press charges against Gritty. Uh, Two very different ends of the
1: spectrum here. Um, Yeah, the Gritty thing is weird. (laughs) At first I thought it was a bit I was like, oh, like this is like some kind of weird, uh, I don't know, viral thing where it's like, oh, Gertie assaulted a child. But then I like looked at it, I was like, oh, like someone's actually like pressing charges against our mascot. That's uncomfortable. I don't know what they even <laughs> think. It's all
0: weird. It's so weird. Uh, Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic probably had the best tweet to sum that up. Um, he tweeted this a couple hours ago and said, I find it utterly bizarre that the gritty story is written as if the character of gritty is a sentient being that a sentient being that can be charged and arrested with a crime and not a dude in a costume with an actual name. I'm not sure what point he's trying to make here. Gritty is gritty. There's
1: no, I'm at
0: this point convinced there might not actually be (laughs) someone in a costume. (laughs) Uh, but if you haven't seen the story, apparently, uh, a Flyers fan, uh, at Wells Fargo Center one night in November, got to meet Gritty, and Gritty allegedly uh, punched his son in the back of the head where the Flyers have come out and said there's no evidence of this happening. Um, they The the fan and the, the dad posted the picture as their Facebook profile picture like days after the event. Um, just very bizarre stuff. I don't...
1: I, like, I kind of skimmed through the article because I was like, I don't really care to read this. And it all just seemed... Um, I don't want to uh, say not true, but it just felt very exaggerated. Yes. And it's like, this all just seems weird. I feel like, you know, if Gritty actually laid hands on someone, it would have been a big deal. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we, we would have like, seen it. You know, and I don't know. It, it feels like... I feel like maybe there's some misinterpretation of something that happened. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Gritty, like... Playfully mm-hmm. did something And again I'm using Gritty as if he is a sentient Being <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised If something like that did happen and it just I don't know bubbled up weirdly I don't know it's just it's just very weird And Gritty okay. as we know constantly has Two people with him like it, he has a whole at all, times. At, all, at all times I've never Seen him without the his his men in blazers <laughs> With him um, So like yeah the, like There's eyes on him constantly Like whenever Gritty is Anywhere He's going to be mobbed and flocked by, like, dozens, if not hundreds of people. So, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like someone would have seen this and someone, you know, a- anything like this now would have been recorded. There's cameras everywhere. It was I, at the stadium, so yeah, like, it would have been on,
0: you know, security cameras at Wells Fargo. Like, store. someone would
1: have, I think, seen this if it was, uh, you know, actual assault here where it's like, oh, wow, like, Gritty really was out of line and out of character. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, too, is, like, you have to remember, like, it is a character so mm-hmm. they might like mess with you a little it's like the fanatic like might like you know that is do the little kazoo thing yeah. in your face and it's like i don't know what you expected it's, it's like, literally the
0: fanatic and gritty's kind of like shtick yeah, it's like they
1: are you know you know like unquote, ruffle like, your hair yeah yeah like that's 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 just who they are yeah, and i don't know i hopefully it's not true obviously hopefully there is a- actually nothing to it but who honestly, man, I really thought it was a bit. I really thought when the, the <laughs> alert popped up, my whistle, I was like, oh, what am I about to watch? It's was like, oh, no, this
0: is actually a real accusation. But uh, the Flyers did shut out the Penguins last night. Uh, Justin Braun, Jake Voracek, and James Van Riemsdyk all with the goals. 3 nothing. big-time win um, over the Penguins. And the Penguins just stink, as we all know. Um, so it's always good to see the Flyers take them down. Flyers sitting, you know, right in the middle of the pack of the Metropolitan Division. Um, it's it's going to be interesting just to see how they kind of, you know, continue to play. And, you know, they're right in the thick of things. But that was a big win to get over the Penguins, especially since the Penguins sit uh, in second place in the Metropolitan Division. Um, you just got to keep stacking these wins if you're the Flyers. And uh, they play the Penguins again on the 31st. So we'll see how they... Uh, you know can rebound obviously it's at the penguins this time so if they can get another big win over the penguins you know during this stretch before the all-star break uh that'd be huge
1: yeah uh i don't know what to say about the flyers to me they are a, a very streaky team it feels like you know every two weeks are reassessing their actual talent level and how good they are and right now we're on, I think, the upward bell curve of, oh, this team's actually really good. And in two weeks uh, we'll be like, oh, this team sucks. So check in in two weeks and see <laughs> see what the the pulse is on the Flyers.
0: <laughs> um, but I think that's all we got for you guys tonight. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Underground PHI. Same thing with Instagram at Underground PHI. And uh, you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorino. You can follow me at KBIZZL three one one. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Uh, just let us know if you're rooting for Andy Reid in the Super Bowl, what you think of uh, you know the Sixers' trade deadline rumors, and uh, who you most want to see at spring training when it comes to these Phillies prospects that are uh, coming in. And if you're excited for Francisco Liriano, like everybody else is. Maybe um, the Phillies have a time machine we don't know about. Maybe that is how the Phillies end up cheating, like the Astros, to get the advantage. <laughs> Hey listen
1: Stranger things have happened I mean Stranger things does have Some sort of time travel
0: element So maybe we do have that Um, And if you don't have an iPhone Check us out on Spotify Google Play SoundCloud Stitcher The TuneIn app iHeartRadio Radio.com Wherever you get your podcasts And uh, we will be back On Saturday Breaking down Hopefully some more Sixers wins uh, Some more Flyers uh, Talk as well And uh, You know We'll see what, what goes down with the Eagles and their coaching staff search. And then uh, whatever else may come up uh, before Saturday. So this has been Underground Sports Philadelphia episode number 204, brought to you by Maine Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mom, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, our friends at Design Tree. Make sure you, make sure you check out our storefront. DSGEntry.com, search Underground Sports Philadelphia, and get all of your merch, that gritty design right behind Matt that sits behind him every show. That is available shirt and hoodie style, and uh, hashtag free gritty. So uh, till Saturday, this has been episode number 204 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Peace.